catch us on the web at english.rti.org.tw. Thank you so much for joining us here today at Radio Taiwan International. I'm Andrew Ryan coming to you from Taipei, Taiwan. Up ahead this hour, we'll have for you Hashtag Taiwan. Each week, Leslie Liao looks into the stories that are trending on the internet here in Taiwan. And this week, it's a hashtag. It's Hashtag Tweet for Taiwan. And that's connected to the United States and, well, other countries too. And also, we'll be having for you Status Update. That's our show with John and Shirley in which they interact with you, the listener. But first up today, here in Taiwan. Today is Tuesday, May 12th, and you're listening to Here in Taiwan on Radio Taiwan International. In the studio today, we have Leslie Liao. Hello. Hello. And we have me once again. I'm Andrew Ryan. In today's show, we are going to be talking about how more countries are ordering more masks from Taiwan. I'm also going to tell you about these little mini masks that they have for mini-me's. Nice. Uh, also, the Taipei International Film Festival released its trailer for this year's event, which is going to take place in June. It's a very cool commercial, and I'll tell you all about it in just a moment. And uh, looks like, uh, you know, that trend where a lot of airlines were... Uh, starting to refer to Taiwan as part of China. Well, it turns out that some of those airlines have switched back, and now they're just referring to Taiwan as Taiwan. Those are just some of the stories we're going to have for you in today's Here in Taiwan. Don't go away. Uh, I recently just saw two Mother's Day related stories. I know this is a little bit late because Mother's Day was on Sunday, but I thought that they were too good to pass up. Uh, these are about non-traditional moms. There's always time for mothers, Andrew. There's always There's time always for mothers. Time. Uh, the first one is uh, the Japanese envoy to Taiwan posted a picture of this cat, and I'm showing Leslie here. Super cute. Look at that. Are those two cats I see? It's. I think it's three cats. Oh. It's I... at least two, three, mm. maybe more. So it's a mama cat that looks like kind of like a, I guess what would you say, a tabby or I, or, I... orangey looking cat? Yeah, I think that's a tabby, like a, ga a Garfield cat? Garfield cat. Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, so basically the uh, representative to Taiwan, the Japanese representative to Taiwan, uh, Hiroyasu Izumi, posted a photo of a cat and two kittens on his... Um, office's Facebook page on Sunday wishing her a happy Mother's Day. Uh, he also called the cat landlady. Um, she Because she owns the house? <laughs> because apparently she's been living at his residence in Yamishan in Taipei longer than 
either him or his predecessor. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> she has predated him in that house. That was kind so, of I guess name. it's not a pet cat. It's kind of like just comes with the property. I think oh, so. Oh, she's the landlady, right? She's so, the landlady, yeah. So you know, I'm sorry. <laughs> that's, that was disrespectful to the cat. Seriously disrespectful. Um, although it's a little awkward if you have like a problem with your TV and you need somebody to come fix it. Yeah. You have to go talk to your landlady and you're like, just, meow. All you can get, get is meow. meow, you know? <laughs> uh, so apparently... Uh, the cat recently gave birth to three kittens. Oh, wow. Uh, one of which was adopted by the driver's friend. A little bit sad here, though. The landlady has been guarding the other two kittens for fear of losing them, too. Oh, dear. Um, oh, yeah. She's a oh, proprietary oh, cat, you know. Mm, must be. Yeah, so sad. So, anyway, uh, to celebrate Mother's Day, uh, the representative of Taiwan, he said he was planning to prepare the cat's favorite food for her. Uh, however, the story doesn't say what that is. I'll bet you it's like uh, probably raw fish. Fish sticks. Yeah. Oh, I love fish sticks. <laughs> I do too. tartar sauce. Although they're probably raw, come to think of it. Maybe some sashimi. That's true. Some grade one Japanese sashimi. Yeah, that'd be the best one, best, best place one. to be, right? So, I have another uh, Mother's Day story. This is kind of fun. Um, basically, it is a Taiwanese high school student who had launched a search on social media for her childhood caregiver. I heard about this, actually. Did you hear about this? Yeah, yeah, I heard about this one. So apparently, this uh, this student, the nineteen year old student, is Xu Zihan, and uh, she was searching for an Indonesian caregiver who took care of her from birth to about the age of four. And so she posted on the internet, on uh, I guess in April, on Facebook, saying she was trying to locate what she called her second mother. Mm. Which I think, you know, for a lot of kids, if you're raised by uh, a, a caregiver, yeah. a domestic helper in Taiwan, you end up having a very, very close bond with that person. This is not the first time I've heard of such a related story. You know, mm. there's always people who are just, uh, they're posting online, they're saying, hey, I grew up with a domestic caregiver, but she left and I was at a very young age. And um, they're just like, can anybody put me in contact with them? So this is not an uncommon uh, happenstance. but Not an uncommon happenstance, but it's also not too easy to find them. Yeah. Uh, through a series of coincidences, a job broker in Taiwan was able to give Xu uh, a contact number for the woman whose name is Dui. Um, and almost immediately, uh, she got uh, a, the, she sent Dui a text message in Indonesian saying, Aku cinta kamu, which is a phrase she learned from her caregiver as a child, which means I love you. Yeah. Um, and she was able, and anyway, it's a long story short, she was able to find the woman, which I think is really exciting. And the story was, I think, picked up by Indonesian media. And that's why she was able to contact the caregiver. That must have been such a heartwarming reunion. Oh, I think they were just crying. Yeah. They were like lots and lots of tears, happy tears. Uh, I guess she later called Dewey on WhatsApp. Yeah. And you can see a little photo of her talking with uh, this woman. You know, and a lot of these caregivers, they're not that old when they come here. No. You know, they no. could be as young as, I don't know, 20, 18, 20. I think, even. yeah, 18. Uh, I think we had a domestic caregiver for my grandma. And when our domestic caregiver came, she was around 18. Super 19, young. Younger yeah. than I was. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think that, you know, for them, it's also, they, they create, you know, very, very intense bonds with the people they take care of. Uh, so, it's very difficult when the person either passes away or Leaves. when the family doesn't need you um, to take care of the kids anymore and then they have to go back. I think it's hard for both sides of the equation. So, nice to see a little heartwarming story Great coming story. to us. Yep.
face masks. Uh, I was very happy to be able to buy some face masks directly at a pharmacy without waiting in line in Taipei. Is my first time actually buying face masks like this. Uh, no hassle. It just walked right in. There was nobody there. Went straight to the counter. I said, do you have face masks? Because I noticed they had a sign out front mm. saying they had extra. The woman said, yes. Oh. I uh, gave her my uh, national health insurance card. And uh, moments later, I was holding face masks in my hot little hands. All right. I thought you were saying you were going to use, use the vending machine. Well, no, I was gonna. I was hoping to use the vending machine, yeah. but the fact that I found them this way was even easier. There you go. Didn't have to go find a vending machine. Didn't have to use the app on my phone. Apparently, uh, the the supplies in Taiwan are starting to level out. Yeah. So it's people aren't like having to wait in long lines or jump through hoops to get them anymore. Uh, the situation is finally after three months. Yeah. It seems to be settled, and Taiwan is actually providing masks for. Other countries, uh, first and foremost, through donations, yes. millions of masks. Mm -hmm. But now you're saying that uh, a lot of countries are approaching Taiwan hoping to buy them. Yeah, so what happened is um, this comes from the North American office in Vancouver, the mm -hmm. Taiwanese office in Vancouver. And they actually said that the Canadian authorities approached them to purchase 10 million surgical masks from uh, Taiwanese manufacturers. And this comes... A little bit after Canada reported problems with Chinese uh, N95 respirators. Oh. So they received a shipment of 8 million Chinese uh, respirators, and they were not up to, up to standard. So Canada actually diverted um, this project to Taiwan. Now, unfortunately, Taiwan is saying, hey, okay, uh, you know, these orders are very welcome. However, there's still an export ban on face masks. So until yeah. that export ban is lifted... Um, we are Taiwan is still unable to sell these masks to the to these uh, foreign governments. The only way that it can happen is if Taiwan continues to donate, and that's the only uh, proper channel right now by which masks can get to other countries. So, are they taking the orders in, you know, hoping to eventually be able to sell them and send them, or are they not even accepting the orders at this point? They're, they said um, what happens is they they're taking the orders, but they're saying, hey, the order is not going to be processed until. The ban, the ban is, is lifted. lifted. Okay. Um, and what happened is after this Canadian story broke, uh, the officials actually, the foreign, uh, foreign affairs officials actually uh, said that, you know, they've actually been inundated with inquiries about surgical masks. Um, not only that, but we're... People are also looking for uh, gloves from Taiwan. Oh, apparently we do we do gloves good. And can we can we export those? Uh, Is it no. just face masks? Medical equipment. Oh, in general, right? Okay. Medical equipment in general. Mm -hmm. um, so. Do you want to venture to guess right now, Andrew? As of right now, how many masks can Taiwan make a day? Okay, so I remember a point at which it was like 13 million and they were going for like 20 million. I want to say maybe they've reached 20 million. Not yet. 17 and a half. 17 and a half. We're, so we're going in. We're getting in. We're getting there, man. Almost there. Yeah. And you got to think about how impressive this is because we started out with, I think, what? Three, three, two or three, three million. 2, yeah. yeah. Just around there. Unfortunately, uh, the Minister of Economics Affairs, Sun Rongjing, says, hey, it's not up to me. It's actually up to the Central Epidemic Command Center to see when they lift it. Um, this, like I said, this one is just, it does not, 
um, limit aid, but it does limit commercial sale. Now, what's interesting, though, is that I actually saw just uh, yesterday on Monday, they were talking about how they were considering uh, lifting the requirements that you wear masks on public transportation. So right now, if you're on a subway, a train, high-speed rail, mm. uh, every type of transportation in Taiwan, you have to wear a mask. So if they lift that, that means that they would probably... Uh, you know, have more masks to go around, people wouldn't be using them as much and demand would probably go down. I think people would still be cautious, mm. um, especially considering, you know, society here. I think people like to venture on the side of caution more than anything. I think so. But I think that there's probably an, uh, one segment, like even like 5% of the population that just would stop wearing them mm. on, you know, if they didn't have to wear them at all, they wouldn't wear them at all. Yeah. And that, you know, 5% of 17 and a half million is nothing to scoff at nothing to sneeze at yeah (laughs) good one um speaking of masks i have another interesting story here about teeny tiny masks oh baby masks baby masks that's right you know parents uh were having a tough time finding uh masks for uh the smallest of babies and if you're curious to know um the the age here uh, it says uh, right now they only sell masks for kids four to eight years of age. So anybody younger than that, they just don't have the ability to buy masks. Mm. So you have parents posting pics of masks or babies wearing full-size masks with eye holes cut out. Yeah. <laughs> Which obviously is eye lacking. Eye holes cut out. <laughs> yes. So it covers, it covers the whole baby's face, right? I'm sorry. I, just, I pictured it just now and I find it, I don't know, it's just the image in my head. I wish I could share it with you. It's probably pretty funny, right? It's pretty it's hilarious. Because the pictures I saw were very funny. If you can see what I see in my brain right now, I think you would be having a ball. Little ninjas? Yeah, little ninjas. <laughs> I love it. So, uh, apparently, they're going to start supplying face masks for kids under the age of four uh, starting next week. And just if you're curious to know how big those masks are, uh, you can whip out a ruler. Uh, It has to be metric, and it would be 12.7 centimeters by 8 centimeters um, here's a picture of a baby wearing one. Um, unfortunately, you can't you can't see this at home, but Leslie Look can have a little laugh. That babies, I forget. Like actually, babies have a lot of face fat. A lot of face fat. So actually, because I was thinking like twelve centimeters, that it's, might actually be bigger than most babies I know. But no, you it sounds baby huge. Baby fat. But yeah. then you see this baby. He needs he needs a lot of uh, breadth yeah. on that face mask to cover that whole chub cheeks. Um, but super cute. Nice to know that they are coming up with different sizes that. You know, everybody can wear, right? No, Masks I, for all. I must uh, commend the government on their efforts. They have responded very quickly to public sentiment mm. uh, throughout this pandemic. Uh, whether it be rationing, whether it be online pre-sales of masks, their response has been very, very quick. You know, it's interesting. I, yeah, and I would totally agree with you. Mm. I think you're absolutely right. They've done a fantastic job. They've seen, like, problems that people have, and they've jumped to change mm. them. Uh, the other thought I was going to share with you before we move on is that uh, I was noticing a number of people on the MRT that had little tiny kids that weren't wearing masks Mm -hmm. and my instant reaction was is that the kids were probably like playing with the masks Uh and kept pulling them off right yeah because when you're that little you don't realize that you have to wear them yeah but actually I guess maybe it's because they just don't have masks that fit maybe I guess is there an exception for children to get on the MRT without a mask I think so like I (sighs) 
I don't know. I think that's yeah. a really hard sell if you don't have the masks. It's and... like, I don't have a baby mask, man. You know, cut eye holes in this thing, but then... I mean, you could probably <laughs> cover the child's face when you go in somehow with a blanket or something. And yeah. they'll probably let you in. But I think they're probably pretty understanding. Okay. Um, but yeah, so interesting, these uh, mascapades. We will continue to let you know what's uh, happening. <laughs> I think that should be a segment. Anyway. What do you think? Mascapades. Let's do it on Taiwan Insider. <laughs> flying straight on into our next topic which has to do with airlines this one's a little political in nature um and basically just to set it up once again uh, there's a period of time last year where a lot of the international airlines started referring to taiwan as taiwan comma china whereas you know we're in the i guess originally all the airlines have referred to taiwan as just yeah. taiwan as as its own entity uh, and of course, that was very distressful for a lot of people in Taiwan. Uh, people started to change the uh, airlines that they wanted to um, fly with mm. because of how those airlines referred to Taiwan. Yes. Uh, demoralizing, certainly, for a lot of people here in Taiwan. Uh, and it wasn't just the airlines either. It was also other... Hotel chains as well. Hotel chains, big international websites, yeah. uh, or organizations on their websites would refer to Taiwan as Taiwan, China. Uh, but first off, let me uh, compliment you on your pun game, flying into this next story. How long were you sitting on that one, Andrew? Oh, man. I just, uh, just uh, came across it. Okay. So, uh, so what happened was... Uh, there was a written inquiry from the Democratic Progressive Party uh, from Cho Zuwei. He's a legislator. And he was just saying – he was asking for a follow-up about the whole 2018 Chinese campaign to, like like you said, change the name of Taiwan, change the designation. Um, what happened in Beijing really played full court press. They were saying in 2018 they told these airlines, they told these hotels, they're like, you have 30 days to amend your websites to say Taiwan and include China in some way or – uh, referred to it as an area. Otherwise, you your business options in, in China will be limited. Mm. And when you want to limit access to such a large market, you know, that's a lot of companies will see their bottom line and they did change their name. But uh, this new written inquiry to the Ministry of Foreign Affairs actually found that 22 global carriers uh, changed the name back to Taiwan. Now, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs did not say which 22 because they say China, again, might pressure... Uh, these airlines again, but I really think it wouldn't be hard for like someone in China, China to, to figure out. You know, right. WW died. Your HTTPs. <laughs> I think they have a couple workers that could get right on that. You think so, right? <laughs> and um, but they say twenty-two have referred to uh, reverted back to referring to Taiwan as Taiwan. However, thirty-nine airlines continue to refer to Taiwan in one of two ways, which is Taiwan, comma China, or Taiwan area. Now. For those of you counting, that's 22 out of 61 total airlines, about a one-third success rate. Uh, and getting people to turn, change the name back. Um, I, you know, the thing I really would love to know is when these airlines switched back. Mm. Was it after everybody stopped flying internationally? They were thinking, well, you know, our business can't get any worse why don't we change it now <laughs> while do does it. it really <laughs> matter or are these airlines that maybe weren't even flying to china anyway or you know couldn't you know i guess weren't gonna hurt from a financial yeah perspective uh i think i think you know it could be 
any number of possibilities that you mentioned, right? The, from from one guy who might have just been like, well, let's quietly change it back and see what happens. <laughs> or it was more recent. It was just like, well, no one's really flying, so I don't think anybody's caring right now. Yeah. Um, but they authorities did say there was an opportunity to now approach airlines about rectifying how they refer to Taiwan as the worldwide aviation industry suffers from the pandemic. And Taiwan has been successful in keeping with the disease at bay, so it might be good for them well it might be a situation where taiwan is the only country you can fly to that could know? be it right i mean at some point you never know um it's really hard to say what's going to happen next week never mind next month or next, next year. year forget it man yeah all right leslie when was the last time you went and saw a movie oh a long time ago is your decision fueled by the fact that, uh, I mean, the coronavirus is uh, a concern? There were a couple of movies I wanted to go see, and then I was just like, oh, better not. Was it, because uh, right now, I should explain, uh, if you want to see a movie in Taiwan, you can go. I think all the theaters are open, but you must wear a mask. Yes. From start to finish, um, which can be, I mean... That's two hours in a face mask. It's a little hard to enforce in a dark theater, though. Mm, Leslie, are you a flaunter of rules? I'm not a flaunter of <laughs> rules. I'm an identifier of potential loopholes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like how you put that. Um, no wonder we're friends. <laughs> uh, so I have seen a movie since the pandemic broke oh. out. Uh, I went and saw a very good French movie. Oh, wow. Um, yes, uh, which fortunately had English subtitles. I have definitely seen French movies with just Chinese subtitles, and I would probably do it again. Um, but it was a bit of a relief to have the English subtitles there. Not as on edge. Not as on edge. Um, now... The sad thing is I can't remember the name of the movie. <laughs> it's okay if it's in French. <laughs> it, well, it's, it's uh, I mean, it has English subtitles. It's got Ethan Hawke in it, so it's got some English. Does he speak French? He speaks un peu français. Really? <laughs> but mostly English. No idea. Uh, and his wife in the movie is Juliette Binoche. Okay. Who, of course, speaks English to him in the movie. Mm. Uh, and then it stars as her mother, Catherine Deneuve, who is the great dame of French cinema, or cinéma française, as we might say, um, if you weren't a great speaker of French. <laughs> but the point is, uh, is that I, you know, found it to be a very unusual experience. I haven't had the pleasure of watching a movie um, in like six months, maybe more than that. Uh, you know, because I think I haven't seen that many movies in the theater, just period. Uh, never mind because of the pandemic. Um, but it was a nice relief to be able to do something very normal, uh, even though we were all wearing masks. I, I used to go to the movie theater semi-frequently, actually. Like, every month there'd be a movie I want to go see. I was like, oh, you know what? I, I, I would be the, you know, the guy who would pre-order tickets if there was a really hot movie coming out. Yeah. Rally the people. So you want to be able to, like, talk about, you know, what you're seeing or this, uh, this hot topic with other people. I've just been spoiled way too many times, Andrew. Yeah. So the movie's called The Truth. The uh, Truth. If you're interested in seeing it. It's an excellent movie. 
Um, but what I really want to talk about today is the Taipei International Film Festival, which is one of my favorite events of the whole year. There are two big movie festivals, well, three, um, but this is one of the most famous ones in Taipei. So we all, I mean, I remember back in the day, we all used to buy tickets as far in advance as possible so we can ensure we saw all the movies we wanted to see. Mm. You get like the, you know, the pass for 10 movies or whatever. Um, but anyway, so they've launched an ad for this year's events, which are going ahead as planned, uh, June 25th through July 11th. The ad features Annie Chen, who's a local actress, mm. and it's great. She plays a special agent who's trying to go see a movie after work, but she has to fend off like several different bad guys before she can get there. And the, I guess the catchphrase is, no one can stop me from watching movies. That's, uh... It's pretty interesting. <laughs> pretty appropriate in the time of COVID-19, right? Yeah. Um, I think it's a, a meaningful catchphrase. Uh, Well-shot ad. Um, they did have to cancel some big outdoor screenings that were scheduled for early June. Uh, also, they're not inviting a lot of the international guests um, and, I guess, judges that would normally be coming at the end of June. Mm. But the festival is going ahead as scheduled and they will have the awards as scheduled. So nice to see that no one is going to stop Annie Chen or Andrew Ryan or Leslie Lau from seeing <laughs> movies. Um, but we do hope, and she said something very lovely at the, um, the opening on Monday for this trailer. She said that she hoped that uh, nothing will stop the rest of the world from watching movies very, very soon. Has the Central Epidemic Command Center said anything yet in response? I think they're supportive of it. Why not? As yeah. long as people are following the rules, right? Keep your masks on. Keep your masks on. For here in Taiwan, I'm Andrew Ryan. And I'm Leslie Liao. Stay tuned for more coming your way on RTI. Welcome to Hashtag Taiwan. I'm your host, Leslie Liao. To give you a little background information on this week's episode, we're going to be looking at a campaign started by not one, but two U.S. government agencies' official Twitter accounts. Now, they're encouraging people to hashtag Tweet for Taiwan to garner support for Taiwan to participate in this year's World Health Assembly. Now, Taiwan hasn't participated in the annual meetings of the World Health Organization since 2016, but it looks like with how well Taiwan's handling the current pandemic, that's about to change. What prompted this campaign and how's the response? Well, that's all coming up next on Hashtag Taiwan. Don't go away. U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo is calling on the director of the World Health Organization to allow Taiwan to participate in the World Health Assembly later on this month. And also, the hashtag tweet for Taiwan is trending on Twitter. For more on that, we go straight to hashtag Taiwan with Leslie Liao. This week on hashtag Taiwan, I want to talk to you about Taiwan, the United States, China, the World Health Organization, and the United Nations. There's no catchy song or embarrassing footage of me this week. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Hashtag is going geopolitical. Taiwan and the U.S. have partnered to fight COVID-19, a move which China strongly protests because they see any direct cooperation with Taiwan as an endorsement of Taiwan independence. Now, for those of you who forget, 
China says Taiwan belongs to them. However, Taiwan has been getting a lot of positive attention recently for how well it's handling the COVID-19 pandemic. This video in particular shares Taiwan's successes. But the fact remains that China single-handedly keeps Taiwan out of international organizations like the United Nations or the World Health Organization. In the past, most countries didn't challenge China mostly because of diplomatic reasons that I am in no way, shape, or form qualified to speak about. But oh boy, did that change last week. Oh boy, did that change. On May 1st, an official U.S. State Department Twitter account tweeted the following. They said the U.S. firmly believes that hashtag Taiwan belongs at the table when the world discusses hashtag COVID-19 and other threats to global health. Before 2017, Beijing didn't object to Taiwan joining the World Health Assembly as an observer. What changed? Hashtag tweet for Taiwan. This is an explicit endorsement for Taiwan from a U.S. government agency, and oh boy, it does not stop there. There were a total of six tweets all supporting Taiwan's participation in the WHO. The office said, is it too much to ask that Taiwan be permitted to share their expertise, their commitment with the rest of the world? Will the world succumb to the PRC's pressure and intimidation? It's time to be heard and time to hashtag tweet for Taiwan, hashtag Taiwan model. They finished their thread by asking people to join us to hashtag tweet for Taiwan's inclusion at the upcoming World Health Assembly so hashtag Taiwan can bring its incredible expertise to fight against hashtag COVID-19. The world needs Taiwan in this fight. Tell the WHO that it's time for Taiwan to be heard. They didn't simply endorse Taiwan, they started an entire campaign to get Taiwan into the WHO. But wait, there's more. The United States' UN Mission Twitter account made their own statement saying, The United Nations was founded to serve as a venue for all voices, a forum that welcomes a diversity of views and perspectives, and promotes human freedom. Barring hashtag Taiwan from setting foot on UN grounds is an affront not just to the proud Taiwanese people, but to UN principles. Hashtag tweet for Taiwan. For those of you that didn't know, if you hold a Taiwanese passport, it's likely that you'll be barred from entering any UN facilities. It doesn't matter if you're a journalist, a tourist, anyone really. Now, China has already expressed strong indignation and firm opposition to this campaign that the U.S. has started. And for those of you who are curious about how hashtag tweet for Taiwan is doing, here's something really interesting. Amal Sinha did an analysis of tweets that contained hashtag tweet for Taiwan between May 1st and May 5th. Out of 8,396 tweets containing the hashtag, he found that 32% came from India, 19% came from Taiwan, 15% came from the United States, and 12% came from Hong Kong. Now, I studied economic in school, so statistics like these really get me going. And that was the lesson of the outpick of the week. Did I fail to mention that? Yeah, he forgot to mention it, but that's okay. That's hashtag Taiwan for the week. Follow us on social media and do leave a comment below. We'd love to hear from you. is status update. Welcome to Status Update. I'm Shirley Lin. I'm John Van Trieste. We're going to be getting you the letters. Actually, we're going to get to your letters right away. Oh, yeah. We've got a lot of them today. <laughs> we do. We it's love just, it. 
Yeah, it's just so exciting to hear from you guys. Just what you, you know, how you're doing. Of course, you're doing this COVID nineteen, but also to hear what programs you've been listening to and uh, what you think about them and what you think about them. And we have a lot of feedback uh, this week, so I think we're going to skip our own status update and go right into yours. Yeah, yeah. But we first, just... we should probably tell everyone how they can reach us. Exactly. Just in case. Just in case you're still intending to, you know, write us as you listen to this program. Our address is PO Box one two three dash one nine nine Taipei Taiwan. And just a reminder, our email address is rti at rti.org.tw. Also, a little reminder that you can always find us on Facebook and YouTube. We update both those accounts regularly, so check it out. That is right. All right. All right. Well, this first one here is coming to us from Herman Van Lee, who is writing us from Manila, the Philippines. And uh, let's see here. Uh, it says, "Good morning." And he actually managed to write Chinese. Ni hao wo. Oh. Oh, I think it's his Chinese name. Yeah. So he says, "Jiao uh, Herman Van Lee, eighty years old. My Filipino wife and I are alternating between the Netherlands and the Philippines. The end of October to Manila, end of April to the Netherlands. Currently, okay. I'm still in Manila under lockdown. Oh yeah, it's kind of hard to leave under those circumstances. Yeah, right. I think that's the uh, the rainy season is starting in there. That's probably why they're missing oh, out the. Okay. Well. <laughs> oh, well, and uh, the rain can be nice, too. Yeah, it can be nice. Uh, he goes on to say, I'm an enthusiastic Southwest, uh, sorry, shortwave listener. <laughs> Southwest. <laughs> All right, sorry about that. I meant shortwave listener. Yeah, I'm, I'm still waking up from the morning, but anyway. We both are. It's okay. <laughs> okay. So shortwave listener since 1960s. Since arrival in Manila, listening to RTR on shortwave 15320 kilohertz, also on 1 to 100 kilohertz, and I bet that's uh, the uh, the fisheries agency program that you that, do. Uh, yeah, that I do. Uh, it's a cooperation between RTI and the fisheries agency. So thank you so much for tuning in. Um, it says almost every day. Yeah, tuning in every day. Unfortunately, often lots of noise in Manila. Sometimes very good reception though. April twenty nine was good reception. And uh, and then there was lots of noise till the end of the program though. In the evening. Uh, listening to, okay, the other program, Philippines and Friends, that's the program I've named it, uh, was good reception, then noise. uh, there was noise till end of the program. It was difficult for me to send report by mail as post office was difficult to reach. In the Netherlands, in the Netherlands, there's no problem. Uh, If you were to send QSR card by mail, please send it to my Netherlands address. Well, no problem, got that. Just learned from the Dutch news that Netherlands is open to larger trade representation in Taiwan. It's changed its name. Right, it changed its name. We had uh, Taiwan as a former colony for 40 years. I fully support Taiwan as a democracy, as they are bullied by PRC. No democracy and source of lots of disinformation, hacks, trolls against Taiwan. Also, the Philippines is victim in many areas, island grabbing, ramming fishing boats, etc. I listened to Lost in Dutch Formosa. Very interesting. Wow, that's something that was that's put a, together by Andrew Ryan that's like, a ages ago. That's yeah. a That's a... What do you want to call it? It's a vintage <laughs> Right. Play. John was actually a listener before he became a I, part of the RTI English staff here. And I was listening so, back when that was first aired. Right. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> no, you're still very young. Don't think you're old. <laughs> uh, I just had a significant birthday. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and the letter goes on. We'll keep on listening here till May 31st, hopefully to leave then to Amsterdam. I studied Mandarin at evening classes as a hobby for several years, only the past year had other things to do. Kind regards to you and your staff. That was again Herman Van Lee of the Philippines. Thank you so much for your letter. 
Going over to Indonesia now, we have a bit of a question from one of our listeners. This is Waluyu Ibn Dishman, who writes, Dear RTI, how are you? I hope you're fine. Uh, I am always fine, although in during the pandemic, although we're in the middle of the pandemic of COVID-19 and fasting for Ramadan. Happy Ramadan for all sisters and brothers who are Muslim in the world. And I have a question about Taiwan and China. How do Taiwanese get a visa to go to China? Is there any official office in Beijing? Thanks for the answer. Nope. Uh, there's a special card system. Yes. It's kind of, they're like, they're kind of like, they look like passports, but they're not. Mm. It's kind well, of complicated. The new one, though, is looking like an ID card now. Is it? Okay. Yes. So maybe there's a bit of a change. Yeah. How do you go about applying for one? I wouldn't know. I have to get a... Oh, visa. you know what? Uh, it, it would be, your application will be sent to Hong Kong. Okay. So yeah, there's right. no office of um, any kind. Right. It's very, they're informal uh, sort of agencies on both sides, but they don't really handle that sort of thing. No. It's not like a... Apply here. No. Um, There's also some reception reports here. This is about our, it looks like, the end of April and the beginning of May here. All heard on 15320 kilohertz. Um, This info is really good. Fours and fives. All right. Mostly fours, but still. And there's a a log of our news stories on April 29th. The top story seems to have been the U.S. government supporting Taiwan's WHA bid. Uh, On the 30th, Taiwan going four days without a new case. Uh, Unfortunately, we've gone back to having some new ones. Yeah. But fortunately, all imported. Um, On the 1st of May... Japan's PM supported Taiwan's participation in the WHO. And on the 2nd, Taiwan exporting 70% rubbing alcohol. Or there were export restrictions, I think, was the story. Mm. And it says, I hope it's useful for your broadcasting and see you in another email. That comes to us once again from Walu Ibn Dishman of Indonesia. All right. Now, I have one here coming to us from Akira Take of Japan. Um, it says here, Dear Sir and Ma'am, I had the pleasure of receiving one of your shortwave transmissions as follows. Uh, he actually, this uh, only just came to us, but he listened in on April 19th, it was, uh, at 15320 kHz. Simple rating was 35333, not as good. And um, he listened to Curious John, that's uh, uh, John, your program, about Formosan landlocked salmon. And then, let's see here. In the comments, he said, I was very happy to hear your broadcast. I heard about Masamitsu Ota for the first time on this program. He studied freshwater fish. He named the new Taiwanese freshwater fish. Um, He was one of the people who was involved in, in, one of the outsiders, I should say, involved in figuring out that it existed. Ah. Um, Of course, the local indigenous people weren't surprised. Like, they they knew about it. Yeah. The scientific community outside of Taiwan sure was... uh, Surprised? They thought salmon are like northern cold climate sort of fish. They should. What are they doing here? Mm, okay. They didn't quite believe it, but then they sent some people out, and yep, it's here. Yeah. And fortunately, it's still here thanks to conservation efforts. That's right. Okay, and the letter goes on. The number of patients with COVID nineteen is increasing in Japan. Thank you for the face mask sent from Taiwan. I want this infection to come to to end as soon as possible. <laughs> to be clear, we didn't send the face masks. The government did, not, not RTI. <laughs> right, right. Well, um, and it says, I hope this report will be of some value for you and knowing the reception. If you find this report correct to your station log, I would like to have a card of verification. With no problem, I'm hoping to hear from you very soon. Thank you so much for the details. That was again. Akira Take of Hokkaido, Japan.
We're going over to India now for a letter coming to us from Jayanta Chakrabarti, who writes, Dear friends at RTI, I'm reporting on your broadcast of April 29th, 2020, heard in the 49-meter band with a good signal strength, but there was some background noise. Overall reception quality was good. Uh, this was a broadcast on 6180 kHz, listened to from 1600 to 1700 UTC. Simple rating, 43444. So, okay. Yeah. Uh, could have been better, but uh, at least he was able to hear some details of our programs. And, and indeed, there are some details attached here. It says, I heard the Daily News, which covered the following topics. Taiwan's health ministry cautioned citizens to maintain their guard against the coronavirus in the coming long weekend holiday. The Central Epidemic Command Center reported 429 cases. Uh, that's gone up, unfortunately. Uh, we're still handling it. <laughs> yep. Then the head of the government statistics office predicted that the country's economy will rebound if the COVID-19 spread is brought under control. With appropriate measures taken by the government, even with a fall in exports, there is likely to be a growth rate of 1.8% for Taiwan's economy. And RTI reports that Taiwan's diplomat in Washington has con confronted officials of the WHO over his country's illegal exclusion in the global health meetings. Hope to hear from you soon. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Regards, Jayanta Chakrabarti. Okay, and we move now to England. This is a letter coming to us from Roger Tidy. It says, Hello again. Here in the UK, we are still in lockdown as a result of the COVID-19 virus. And it seems unlikely that many of the present restrictions will be lifted in the next few weeks. Unlike in Taiwan, it is still not compulsory to wear face masks. And many people here are not doing so. Moreover, passengers arriving at our airports are not being tested, and there is no compulsory quarantine for such arrivals. It seems that it will be a long time before we can get back to something resembling normality. Turning now to my latest report, this one is for your broadcast of April 30th. As usual, your internet audio quality was excellent. Programs heard was here in Taiwan, Lights, Camera, Asia, and in the Spotlight. Now, under comments, it says here, today's edition of Here in Taiwan managed to squeeze in six topics. <laughs> <laughs> We're good at squeezing. Yeah. The most interesting of which concerned the generosity of Taiwanese citizens who have donated their latest allocation of face masks to people in other countries. It was revealed during this item that around 120,000 Taiwanese made such donations to people around abroad during a single 24-hour period. Talking about this, you know, I I read somewhere where it said that, you know, these are like individuals, right, who yeah. were going to donate their allocation of masks right. to other countries in need. And some of them actually registered a zero mass because they thought that they still have like mass allocation that is still available mm -hmm. because, you know, but the thing is that you're only allowed to pick up like once every two weeks, I think. Yeah, that's Nine masks, right? Uh, so it's more now, I think. Uh, I think it's, well, as far as I know, I think it's still nine. But um, anyway, so somebody just thought, oh, I'm going to donate the next batch of masks when they realize that they've actually already oh, used it up, oops. you know, already picked up. Yeah, so that's why there were some people who registered zero, and people were, you know, confused uh, about that. I think we've sort of figured it out. Um, yeah. I, I wanted to donate, um, but I think only citizens can do that. Oh, so is that right? I can pick them up. I yeah. have my own quota, mm -hmm. but I don't, I don't think I'm allowed to donate them. Oh, so, okay. So I just oh, pick wow. my quota up. <laughs> I, I need them, you know, yeah. for work, and we have to wear them here. So. Yes, we do. We have to wear them when we come, come in and mm -hmm. also take, have a temperature taken, too. Right. 
Okay, let's see here.、Uh, the letter goes on. Other items that caught my attention during this edition included the news that five outstanding foreigners living in Taiwan had been awarded Taiwanese citizenship. Oh yes, the coveted dual citizenship. <laughs> yes, a report. About students praying at the Taipei Confucius Temple for good exam results and an online course in wine tasting. Okay, the next feature in today's program was Lights Camera Asia, in which Jay continued to analyze the famous Hong Kong film of the 1960s, In the Mood for Love. As usual, his comments were deep, penetrating, and perceptive, and a pleasure to hear. And by the way, Jake、uh, has already left us. Yeah, that's a rerun. To, yeah, that's a rerun. But he he has a great way with、um, telling movies and going to the technical, you know. Sp- Talks about that, which I wouldn't have been able to. Well, and in an audio format too. Yeah, right. <laughs> you can't see any of this. None, right? Okay. And the final program today was in the spotlight, featuring the fashion designer Jamie Huang, who had studied at St Martin's College in London before returning to her native. Taiwan. This interview was conducted on the telephone rather than in the studio, which,、yeah. in my opinion, yeah,、That's、it's not as、role. satisfactory as a studio interview. But I do understand that sometimes it may not be possible to interview your guests in person. Well, it was really because of COVID nineteen. Yeah, we have we, some studio、yeah. rules here, right?、Um, yeah. So people, has that been lifted? Do you know? I think it has. Okay. So, so hopefully, maybe we'll be able to get some more、yes. in person interviews soon. Definitely, I definitely always like to you know interview my guests in person. We're just doing. Being, as they say, things out of an abundance of caution. Yes, and it says, I thought that Miss Huang made some interesting points, especially concerning the freedom and support she was given by her college while studying in London, and also her comment about unisex fashion, which she likes. And then in brackets, as I do. Well, best wishes. That was again Roger Tidy of England. Thank you so much. We've got a letter here from Brian Newell of Logansport, Indiana, in the U.S., and this is addressed to Carlson, who's recently finished a long-running program、mm. that I also used to listen to.、Um, it says here, "Dear Carlson, I was lifting a cup of tea to my mouth at the very moment you introduced your parting edition of Jade Bells and Bamboo Pipes. That was on April 29th. I had no idea that you were nervous when you first started this program 24 years ago. Wow, Jade Bells and Bamboo Pipes has certainly been a mainstay on shortwave." Back in the days when we could listen on the radio, and now via internet. Thank you for bringing such a variety of Chinese classical music from the ancient to the more modern. Pipa, erhu, sheng, percussion, nanguan opera, beiguan opera, sounds of horses running or ducks walking—a favorite of mine still. Voices singing, harmonies ringing, plaintive calls, love songs exchanged, tea picking music, temple sounds, dramatic orchestral works, music that they play on the airplanes, songs about dragons and phoenixes, children singing, dancing, Mongolian chanting, folk songs. From Taiwan, flute virtuosos, guqin, all those ver- and all those variations of different sized instruments not commonly heard. You took us on a journey in each episode, telling stories behind the music or instruments, reading the liner notes, and letting the music speak for itself. I'm glad that you will continue with On the Line. So I've enjoyed three rather large cups of real tea this evening, and I'm now enjoying a fourth cup of herbal tea. May your cup of tea likewise be filled to overflowing and bring you much joy and satisfaction for a job well done through these many years of jade bells and bamboo. Pipes. You chose well for your final program. A cup of tea is something to be savored and to bring memories and recollection. You have chosen well these many episodes of music. Take care and be well in these days. Sincerely, Brian Newell of Logansport, Indiana. All right, well, we're going to make sure that we pass on this letter to Carlson himself.、Uh, indeed.、Yeah. All right. Okay, so now I've got a handwritten letter here from Japan. This is coming to us from. Hold on a second.、Uh, <coughs> Hidemitsu Miyake. 
And it seems like he tuned in on, uh, okay, April 25th it was, at 15320 kHz. Simple ratings were anywhere from 2s to 4s at the most. I guess it could be better. And it says that here is what I could make out during a broadcast. So he heard the uh, the Radio Taiwan International signal. And uh, it was about the news, the news item about coronavirus, several cities mentioned, including Taiwan. And then here it says, uh, hello, Radio Taiwan International. How are you? Japan uh, is going through coronavirus. Um, the situation is pretty serious. It's getting worse. I'm afraid of coronavirus. Please accept this report of my reception of your station. I hope you find it of interest. I listened to your station from 0300 UTC when you came on the air until 0400 UTC. It says, I'd be grateful if I could get your reply. If there are any problems, please let me know. And uh, thank you very much. And it says, you're looking forward to working with you again in the future. Watch out, coronavirus. And... Uh, and that he would like to write again. Okay, so that was again Hidemitsu Miyake of Japan. Well, thank you so much for all your letters. It's just always so great to hear from you. But do keep those letters coming. Let us know how you're doing. And also what programs you listen to and what you think about them. Our address is PO Box 123-199 Taipei, Taiwan. Our email address is rti at rti.org.tw. And please do check out our Facebook and YouTube pages. And we look forward to reading your comments there. Okay, until next week, I'm Shirley Lin. I am John Van Trieste. Goodbye. Bye. Listen, are you listening? <laughs> this is the sound of my country. This is the sound of Taiwan. Taiwan, a small island with a whole world of sounds. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kHz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. 
Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International. Thank you.